If you haven't signed up for our Discord channel, please do so at MajorDomoMedia.com. That's MajorDomoMedia.com. It's a community with a lot of opinions, hot takes, what to eat, where to eat. As we say here, a lot of advice about how to live your life a little bit more deliciously. And if you don't care about any of those things, sometimes I don't. (laughs) You can have great discount codes, 10% off at any day. The great, great cookware for your microwave, 20% off athletic brewing and $40 off Cometeer coffee and 15% off East Fork Pottery. And again, 10% off for all things Momofuku. You can visit at shop.momofuku.com. We have two new flavors, a spicy and a sweet chili. They're delicious. We recorded some content and uh, I made, I got to say, I made some really delicious things. You talked about that crab yet? Oof. No, no. The hopper. I made a, I made a hopper. That was outrageous. So check that out and uh, available at places like Whole Foods, Target, and some of your favorite grocery stores, hopefully is selling some of our product. So yeah. And co on tour, uh, you know, partnering up with Resi American Express can, um, I'm not sure if the tickets are available, sold out already, but uh, maybe you can get your hands on a co on tour. Uh, come in this fall or late summer, I believe. Anyway, let's get on to the show. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. We were supposed to record about 20 minutes ago, but I was late. And uh, Ira Shoot is staying with us. And then I was like, oh, I thought I was taking him into work. But he's like, no, Chris is picking him up. I was like, okay, because... I was in a hostage negotiations with my son, Hugo, who's been ill. And I know what would have happened if I was the sick, as sick as he was when I was his age. There's no, I'm going to school. But he was like, Ferris Bueller. I'm sick. My throat. He's a malingerer. That's called malingering. Is that a word of the day? Malinger? Yeah. Never even heard of that. He's like, is he, well, is he like feigning? Is he like over, he's exaggerating no, his illness? No, no, no. And then like, it comes and goes, right? Yeah. And then next thing you know, he's running around, ah! <laughs> and then he's like, oh. What were you like, to you want to go to do? school? And he's like, last night, he's like, I think he's, he's, he's a cheat code. Because last night, he's like, dad, I just want to go to school. I just want to go to school. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. You got to call his bluff. You'll be like, let's go right now then. It's yeah, open. Yeah. Night this, school. This morning, usually he gets up at like seven This t- today. Not a not a sound until like 7.55. I was like, oh, poor guy. He just wants to sleep in. He's probably feeling bad. And sure enough, I'm like, I go in. He's like, go away. I'm not feeling good. I'm like, all right. You sure? He's like, I don't want to go to school. Sure enough, get him down. He's like, but I'm hungry. <laughs> I make him my breakfast quesadilla. Mm-hmm. I make him some sliced ham and a hash brown and a smoothie. And he's like, oh, I love the smoothie, Dad. Why do you love cooking so much? And he's just like buttering me up. And then, oh, I don't like the smoothie anymore. I don't want this. I'm like, whoa. He just starts teeing off on me and my you. food. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> and I was like, you know what I said? It was like, then you're going to school. 
<laughs> You're going to school. And next thing I know, while I'm having this conversation, I look at my, the alarm goes off. And I'm like, oh my God, it's nine o'clock. <laughs> I didn't realize that 30 minutes of my life were sucked in trying to get him to eat and then to deliberate if he's going to school or not. So that's why I was like, apologies. I blame my son. Yeah, Sorry, Grace. Sure. I know she's very upset for me that we're talking about this, but <laughs> it's just the truth. <laughs> I think that's all very impressive, Grace. I think that, that speaks to Hugo's growing personality. Oh, my God. <laughs> so insane. <sighs> I don't know what to do anymore. I and mean, bre- cooking breakfast is actually the hardest meal. Oh, for sure. We may have to write a book about this. <laughs> we, we, we actually We are. just might have to. Cooking breakfast is probably the hardest meal to cook for your kids because the options are there, right? The chalice of jewels and, 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 and platinum and titanium and, and silver, they're all there in Pop-Tarts and Fruity Pebbles and Toaster Strudels in McDonald's. Yeah. They're all there. It can be so easy. Mm-hmm. Just all you have to do reach out and grab it just grab that box of cereal dave there's no reward you know what i made for them this morning kanji juke mm-hmm. both of them <laughs> i feel you man i feel you and it's uh, you're making it it's also difficult because you're making breakfast just for them it's not like i'm making a whole family meal and they're refusing to eat the, the family dinner it's just i made a goddamn bespoke breakfast for you it was um so what did I do? I gave <laughs> I gave them cereal, sugary cereal. What is their cereal of choice these days? I, I don't know what happened because I've been trying to hide fruity pebbles from Hugo. Oh, shit. But somehow when I came back from a trip, he's eating fruity pebbles and I don't know who did it. Huh. I wonder how that happened. What a surprise. He now wants to eat fruity pebbles all the time. This, I, I'm going to warn you off of this danger zone. You can't, there's no, I came back and, and suddenly the Fruity Pebbles came out. That's going to be in trouble. We did a whole episode about this on Hulu too, the next thing you eat. So I, I, I've been trying to introduce noodles and soups. Got to get out of the breakfast conundrum. Yeah. They've trapped us. It's irresistible. And the things that, I mean, we talked about, like you said on the show, but the things that pass as breakfast, get out of here. Problem now is, Chris knows this, I I was making breakfast crepes. Mm -hmm. Problem why I can't do that is now Hugo wants that for lunch when I make him for breakfast. So then... My goal of making him breakfast is completely defeated immediately because he's like, no, I want to eat this for lunch. And I was like, shit, I got to make something for breakfast now because even though I just made you breakfast, he wants to eat that for lunch. I know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do anymore. But you're totally right that the it's a trap of our own creation because you could just do what everybody else does and just pull down the cereal box and dump it in a bowl and put it in Well, I do that case. anyway, so... But you don't. You're trying. I think I'm just gonna give them. I'm gonna go straight. I'm gonna just inject in the main vein. I'm gonna give them toaster strudels and be like, "No, don't, don't cross that line." I'm gonna give them Pringles potato chips. (laughs) You want some protein? Here's some beef jerky, teriyaki flavor. Knock yourself out. Oh, you like sugar? Here's a bowl of sugar and a spoon. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) you you want you don't want orange juice, but you want some artificial fruit flavor? Here's some Gatorade. (laughs) Knock yourself out. Get your electrolytes that way. 
We just cut something out because we came up with an idea that we cannot share with you because it's so goddamn good <laughs> that I am like perplexed and blown away and dumbfounded in awe. And, uh, you know, it might get us the out death of- to destroy a world's <laughs> feeling right now. I'm like, holy shit, Chris Yang, it's the best idea you've ever come up with. Where has this been? It might get us out of ever having to do this podcast again. Oh, my God. Good? Oh, my God. <laughs> Seriously, we have to cut that out. You got to make that. Yeah. All right. We're, if you're wondering what it is, you're, you're going to find out when you buy it. Okay. And a whole another off tangent moment. Not even high. You know, I was thinking if you bees were sentient, they would be like, wow. This fucking sucks. We do all this work. We eat all this pollen. We vomit it out. We store it again. And then this fucking human takes it all away from us. <laughs> <laughs> this human in a giant spacesuit just and, takes it. And we like just put smoke in our face all the time. <laughs> Here's, <laughs> sucks. First of all, they are. And I just get these orders <laughs> from this goddamn queen bee. <laughs> She's such a bitch. <laughs> first of all, they are sentient. And I think they do basically think that all yeah. the time. Here's, okay, I'm not high either, but the question that just arose when you described that was like, why are you bees making so much honey that we can basically take all of it and you're still fine? <laughs> I mean, if I was a bee, man, would they kick me out of that colony so fucking fast? You just feel like, my, my friends fell This fucking bee thinks he's Neo from the Matrix. Get him the fuck out of here. Why are we working so hard? What is the reason for this? <laughs> my brethren, we must rise above. Oh, it would suck. It would Just suck. It is so cruel. It's so cruel. They're all- it's so cruel that I might become a vegan. <laughs> not even, Not even just the honey. They're also, they're producing that honey by pollinating all of our plants and producing all of our food. Yeah. <laughs> and and then we like, force them to move like every like three months. We just put them in a truck and drive them down the five freeway. <laughs> and then we take their home they just constructed and just rip it out. It is so fucked up. We force them to be homeless. Yeah. We take away their food, what they make. We treat, we treat bees very I'm sure that. In 2023, there's some group that's like, we got to liberate the bees. We have to free the bees. <laughs> I'm sure there are. The, the one thing I would disagree with, like, I don't think that queen lives a very good life either. No, her life is pretty good. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. Just popping out babies all day long, eating jelly, I guess. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> enough about bees. Just like surrounded. By- all I remember about bees is when we were filming in Cambodia. It was the only funny thing that happened in Cambodia because everything else was so intensely sad. Yeah. And if you have to wonder why things are so intensely sad in Cambodia, well, you should do some homework. Do a little reading. Uh, <laughs> but we were in that, going back from that temple, and she just tells me, like, out of the blue, how, how actually, she said, being a queen bee might be the worst p- job <laughs> in the world. Kate, Kate, she, McKinnon, Kate, Kate McKinnon. She's like, <laughs> she's like, it's just, what did she say? They just, she's all day long, it's Bukaki. <laughs> and then not, when she's not getting Bukaki on, other bees are trying to take her job to get Bukaki on. I was like, what the fuck is happening? 
It's just twenty four seven be cocky. <laughs> and we were trying to do something that was a, a joke, not a, some reference to uh, Apocalypse Now in a helicopter. And I was like, instead of Robert Duvall in a chopper saying, I smell victory, it's like, I feel Bukaki. <laughs> we did it. We did it. We, did it. we, we bought Bukaki and we said it seven times. And we didn't do it in a horrible, horrible <laughs> I way. I think we got away with talking about we Bukaki, Bukaki on the show. We did it. Because we didn't say it. Someone else said it. We're just repeating what we heard from American um, Treasure. Well done. Well, that's a great show today. <laughs> I feel like we've accomplished a lot. <laughs> um, all right, get, get into this. Three things I think about. I've been eating out a lot, and it's weird because if you start to think about the depths of despair we were in two years ago, mm. just the thought of being able to go to a restaurant. Mm. And yeah. now I'm like, oh, it's like sort of like a normal thing again. I feel like I'm seeing less porter shirts. Interesting. And more chef coats again. It's swinging back. I think it's swinging back. Huh. Everything comes... Listen, I'm sure other people might say absolutely not, but... I do think that we're having a chef coat renaissance. Mm. When do you think we, we, we moved away from the chef coat? Open kitchens. I gotta say, honestly, I don't want to... I think, like, we sort of helped. Were you, were you guys porter shirts from day one at Noodle Bar? Uh-uh. What did you guys do? We had t-shirts with a peach on it. Oh, that's right. And then um, that didn't work. We started wearing porter shirts. I, and like I started wearing apron and uh, chef coats. But I just, when I saw how comfortable people were in porter shirts, mm-hmm. like the only time people would wear porter shirts was in the summertime when it was too hot. And you're talking about like really nice kitchens. But it was, you know, anything that's like high-end French, that that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I remember a craft. I remember seeing Marco coming down in a porter shirt. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you can do that? Um, and when I worked for Jean George, we had to wear a toque. That's the worst. God. Wearing a toque sucks. Is there a functional reason? I've never, I've never known this. Is there a functional explanation behind the toque? I mean, supposedly they say each fold is for each way you're supposed to make and cook an egg, oh. which I think is apocryphal. <laughs> I think whoever made it was like, we want you to look stupid. <laughs> we want you to make sure that you don't look like it's like you're, you, it's the same reason. Like, do you know why clowns have clown makeup on and why they wear a court gesture hat <laughs> to, to delight their audience with their silliness? I don't give a shit what the reasons were for a toke, but it's the biggest crock of shit I've ever seen or heard in my life. And the fact that I had to wear one in cooking school, uh, it's just like, and when you have a huge noggin, like I do, <laughs> That the the adhesive tape that comes with it, you know what it feels like when you have to actually add tape. I do because I used to have to buy collar extenders for my neck. <laughs> so like that wasn't like that was like everyday body shaming. God damn, they don't make a tote big, big enough. Even... They don't make an extra large tote. Oh tope. man, you know. God. So and then and then like when you. You work at a restaurant that had to wear a nice toque. Like, you got those are expensive and you have to hold that thing on for like all week, once a week. We get one a week. Mm-hmm. You're sweating in that thing. I mean, I, I know it's for sanitation. You should be wearing a hat to some degree, but I, I hope the toque never comes back. I can't, I, I have a really hard time imagining it will. 
I'm a big fan of bandanas. Not bandanas. I hate bandanas on the head. Mm. I don't like that. Do you I like don't know them? why. I just never like bandanas on the head. <laughs> Where do you like them? Just like a cowboy bandana around your neck? I think a cap works. Okay. Baker's cap was always good. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> just a little art, art artist hat, a little painter's hat on your head. A beret. So the, the chef's coat you are seeing coming back. I think it's going to make a comeback. The white? That's a whole nother thing. I'm not... This is where I get weird. I'm all about breaking free from tradition. And I don't even think that uh, I personally would ever want to wear a chef coat again. But I dislike... One of my biggest gripe about chef coats is the multicolored rainbow use. When I say rainbow, it's like chef coats of every color. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. It should be white. Everything in a kitchen should be white. If you're working in cooking profession, it needs to be white. It has to be white. It's the only time where I want things to be really all white. Just, I was just hearing that clip pulled out of context. Yeah. If you're in a kitchen, it's got to be white. All white. Uh, you know, the apron should be white. Yeah. The pants don't matter. What do you say to, and I, I think I know the I mean, answer. also, like, we've been cooking this past couple months in shorts and flip-flops. I hate myself to do it, but I, I, you know, I'm not working professionally in that regard. On the on the white thing, what, explain to people who would say, I mean, it's the same as buying a car. You don't want to buy the car that's going to show dirt. If you're cooking in a kitchen, why wouldn't you just wear like a brown or black? Well, uh, it's amazing. The, the reason why you want it all white, besides the aesthetics of it, the French got to hand it to them. It's a, I mean, like, some things don't make sense to me, what the French have done. Maginot line makes sense to me as to how it happened, right? But certain things that are so practical that I'm like, wow, how the fuck did the French do that? Mm. Right? Let alone like how they made cheese and wine, all that stuff amazing and modernized Western cuisine. I, again, like, I don't even understand, <laughs> but it happened and I accept. Sure, sure, sure. And I'm a Francophile, if you've ever <laughs> met one. Yeah, I don't understand how they designed a chef coat because it looks clearly it looks like a military uniform to some degree, but it's it works. Mm -hmm. It's so smart. Mm -hmm. The problem with a porter shirt is you get something on you, and the other thing it is um, very trans translucent. A porter shirt, you can see you start to sweat. You can see oh, yeah. nips. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's nip city over And the there. reason why I don't like a porter shirt is like you have to wear a shirt underneath it, a t-shirt. I like no t-shirt. It's got to be just one thing. And the reason why chef code is great is that it's a double-breasted thing, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not a fan of the acrylic buttons. I like to have the, the tassels. Oh, the actual right? little through the through Because the I like to pretend I'm, a, uh, I'm a, in the military. No, I, I like it because it doesn't break off. Right. Got it. It doesn't crack. Um, it's it's just like you push it through. And the reason that is works is number one, if you get something hot on you, you can just like mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like your Superman. <laughs> or if you get a stain on you, you can just then flip it over. It is sensible. The other thing that makes sense why the sleeves are so long, if you look at really, really, really technically perfect chefs. They cook, and if they cook on the line, their sleeves are never rolled up. Hmm. It is almost cuffed all the way to the wrist. Mm -hmm. The reason being is it 
allows you to reach in and out of an oven without having to worry about burning yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you see somebody like perfectly white, no stain, cufflinks, you know, rolled up to the cufflinks, it's awesome. And then um, the apron should be, doesn't. that's where the apron does not have to be white. Although white is pretty badass. White is badass, and when you are at the end of service and your shit is still white, <sighs> man, that's the most badass. Flex. You know, having having a working a busy service when you're all in white and you have a white again. I'm not a fan of the apron where it just is around my my waist, not just because it's a big boy bro- problem. I, I just don't like how it looks because it gets a little, when you're moving, your shirt gets untucked mm-hmm. and all these things. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I hate it. And plus a lot of the laundry services, they just, the, 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 the polyester cord mm-hmm. string to tie. I don't like it. And as a big boy Asian, they design it for small people. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the, so the bib aprons can also be designed for small people. <laughs> But I, I think the proper ones, whether it's Brigard or um, can't remember all the names of the new um, mm-hmm. apron companies, but there's a lot of them now. They're great, but I, I like the traditional French style where, you know, uh, during prep, you wear blue apron. During service, you wear a white apron. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh, Fergus and a lot of the British chefs started to wear the the butcher style, which is black and white pinstriped. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Wiley brought that over. But there's something about being immaculate and white. And if you worked a busy service and there's not a spot on you, like if I if you wanted to judge talent, it's probably as funny as it sounds. If you didn't even see anything, you could judge how awesome a cook is. Mm-hmm. Without even tasting their food. Yeah. If they have a spotless uniform, and let's just say like they're working meat roast or poissonier, and they it's like a hundred covers a night in multi-course multi-plating. That's a rarity. Yeah. And, and and but if you're really good, you can go days without any stain on you. Um, so it's pretty amazing. And it would basically be like not like pitching a complete game, but it's sort of. Or like taking 20 shots in an NBA game and hitting all 20 of them and having a, a triple-double, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. When you see that stat sheet, it's like looking at the stat sheet. When you look at the uniform, you're looking at the stat sheet, and you can project how that player probably played. Clearly, they had a good game. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you always win, but you're like, they probably had an awesome game. <laughs> right. So having all white, the reason why I like it all white, besides it looks fucking badass is when you have a complete game and you don't have shit on you, you are, mm-hmm. you are badass. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, you're noting this trend of more people going back to the chef's coat, getting away from the, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the casual uniform of, or of porter shirts or colored aprons or whatever it is. I think it speaks to the bigger trend that you've been talking about just of, of, going to a restaurant and cooking has to be more of, it used to be like, I'm not in the kitchen. I, I could be on the floor. I'm wearing, just look, I'm wearing street clothes and cooking. You've got to like create the separation again. I'm putting on a show. I'm, this is something special. I have a uniform to do so. Like that's why I'm wearing a chef coat again. Or something that's in vogue too. And I remember 
I don't remember when exactly, but it happened, I think, the past seven, six years. You started seeing restaurants, high-end restaurants in Europe, just wearing Mm T-shirts. Noma made that switch like 10 years ago. I remember. Um, And it's just like a dark T-shirt, right? They were just just like Carhartt shirts. That's it. Right. And as long as everyone's wearing the same thing, that's great. Well, that's, I mean, good. that's when you're seeing, but that's like, to the same point, you look and you see a legion of people all in the same <laughs> uniform. Well, I don't give a fuck about fashion in general, but when it comes to culinary fashion, I'm Anna fucking Wintour, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm very opinionated about culinary fashion. I hate that color. <laughs> I, I'm 100% look with you. Look at the stitching on that one. <laughs> Send it back. Oh, you think that cerulean <laughs> blue just came out of nowhere? Are you pro or anti this trend back to the, the chef coat? What are you thinking? As a cook? I mean, I don't know. You can tell. I think when the lighting is right in the kitchen and everyone is doing the dance and everyone's in sync and everyone's working well, it's beautiful. Yeah. And when everyone is in uniform, it's awesome. Um, so... Putting on a show, it's pretty awesome. When everyone is like in uniform, it does have this sense of professionalism, exceptionalism, and high standards. It just like emanates it. But also, it doesn't work well unless everybody is good. <laughs> if you have a crappy cook, as I once was, or still am, and you get shit all over you, it is not good. It is not a good look. Not a good look. Go put on the brown coat. <laughs> I mean, th- things get stuck on you, which is why I remember um, there were chefs like Octar Nawab was, taught me a lot. Great chef. He used to wear two aprons. Whether it's by the chest or a bib, you'd wear two aprons. On top you know of how hot that is? What, what was the thinking for double apron? There are times where you may not be the problem. You can be perfectly cooking. <laughs> Right, but, but it's somebody else. I'm next to Chang who keeps on yeah. splattering shit on me. Somebody else like bumps into you or they 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 just get a splotch of something, right? Or sometimes, let's just say I'm cooking Sasho crabs, right? And I have 15 orders and this. I have like 14 of those Sasho crabs. What, what, you can't, you just won't know that, that one will, that'll explode. Mm-hmm. And all that grease gets on you. You cannot control it. Some things are beyond your control. So, next thing you know, it's like, well, that this stain on me is a is a stain on my soul, <laughs> on my it's family, personal affront. <laughs> and then she's like, Quack. you throw it away, put it put it in the hamper, man. Where all the with all the towels, and you're like, I'm back. I'm I'm hot just thinking about it. <laughs> two aprons, man. That's that's too much. Two aprons. That's I hot. don't think many people do that today. That's too much. But like that is the premium of being clean. Mm-hmm. You want to cook clean. You want to cook clean. You want to move clean. You want to move like a fucking ninja. And if you don't, you have shit all over you. You look like not a good cook. So you really can't judge a quality of a cook by how clean they make their uniform. But um, the apron, it's a big, it's a big thing. I like, I like nice aprons. Mm-hmm. There was like a three, four year stretch where I actually dressed nice. <laughs> Those are the days. Do you uh, in the kitchen? I would dress fucking nice. Do you rock the apron at home? No, I ruin shirts. 
so many oh, shirts. I, I mean, I probably have grease stains over everywhere. Yep. So many shirts ruined. All right, that's those are my three things or more on uh, on chef chef coats. Let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Back with a slice of life. I should say slice of life presented by any day. Mm-hmm. Slice <laughs> of life presented, yeah, by our partners at any day. I was watching something on YouTube, and I don't know something must be hearing me or something. I we had a conversation about um, like uh, judging intelligence or something like that. Mm. Me and Grace, and then sure enough, it pops up on my TV. That might freak people out. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I was just wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. I, I I don't give a shit about my data. It's like, if that, that it's saves me the time of like, you know, everything's seamless. I'm like, oh, and I don't want to talk about the, the horrific outcomes of talking about IQ test, which led to things like genocide and, mm-hmm. and sterilization. That's not what we're talking about. I don't want to talk about that, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about sort of the, the idea of an IQ test and the neuroses that I have with it. I remember growing up and IQ tests used to be a big thing. I think I even wrote about it. When I went to one of the first schools, Thomas Jefferson High School is probably arguably one of the best public schools in the country. And when it was a magnet, gifted and talented school. And there was a feeder school to get to that one too. And all of my Asian friends all disappeared because <laughs> they... <laughs> they went behind the gate. They went behind the gate. And they all left. You take these standardized tests and then you score high enough, you are going to another school. Mm -hmm. They just, and there was only like five of us in the class. And I was like, oh, we're the dumb motherfuckers. (laughs) This is like elementary school? Yeah. (laughs) God. I mean, okay. Carry on. I was just going to say that whole era is so crazy. Like, can you imagine in today's, just today, there's a program called Gate. It's a literal gate where like the, for gifted and talented kids, go to a different thing. Yeah, and and and, and, and what's and the reason is is, oh, you're not going. Why? Oh, <laughs> well, there's really no, no answer, answer other than you're dumb. <laughs> Seriously, it's like whatever it was said as a second grader, it was clear to us as like we're stupid. <laughs> huh? What happened here? All of the smartest kids in the class. They all got raptured. They all, they all <laughs> disappeared. And I still see them on like Sundays when I go to church or something. And they're all there. They're, they still exist in life. 
but they're no longer together when, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so messed up, but yes. And I think that left a huge imprint on me, mm-hmm. which is why I, I got paid to take a IQ test in college. Mm. It was like 300 bucks. I was like, fuck yeah. And I'm, it dawned on me now that, You're oh, like, that's that was, a no-brainer. That was probably why it's like, you know. <laughs> they probably got my old IQ test. And they said, hey, let's do a study about all these dum-dums <laughs> and find the threshold where they would say yes to taking another IQ test. And, and this dum-dum didn't even realize that we could have paid them $3,000. We just accepted our first bit. And I said, on condition, if you fucking tell me the IQ test, I will fucking be so pissed. I don't want to know. The, oh, you, you specifically asked not to be told. Hmm. No, I don't want to know. What's your IQ? I know you know. I don't know. I don't know, but... You're not dumb. <laughs> I was. You got I, a really good score. I think there is a correlation between S- SAT and ACT on your IQ test. I, I do really well on standardized tests. So if it's like 1,300, that means you basically have like a 130 IQ test. And anything above 110 is like good. Anything above 130 is you know, like you're the two percentile. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> so... The, the only I, I I'm with you. <laughs> My most I have a very similar thing. The algorithm keeps feeding me these things on Instagram that are like, you know, a, a little a little visual game. Yeah. It's like connect these dots without crossing the lines. Only IQs over 150 can do it. And you know what I say? I look at it for a minute. I'm like, no, game is broken. <laughs> There's no fucking way I don't have a 150 IQ. This thing is wrong. <laughs> this is a scam. But I think maybe, maybe I can't do it. I think you can do it. I think you have a, a pretty high IQ. And here's the thing. I understand that people say it is uh, biased towards certain groups of people and mm. uh, income levels. It's potentially a sign of like racism. All of these things mm-hmm, could be mm-hmm. true. But they're collecting a lot of data. <laughs> Regardless. <laughs> And a low score means a low score. <laughs> so I don't give a shit what it means. But like, if you score, if you have a low score, it's not a good feeling. Okay? I understand it's not a predicator of success moving forward, but it still means like, but if, huh, you, if you get it's a- the same feeling of me being left behind and all of my friends going to another school. It's like, okay. It's it's not it's not an indicator of success or quality or or goodness as a human being. You might be an intelligent person, but if you get an eighty, you're probably not a genius. <laughs> probably, probably in the military, there is a minimum score. They give you an IQ test. If you're below eighty, you cannot enter the military. So you can't tell me a score is not fucking important here. My cholesterol score is important. A high score is not good. A low score is. I mean, that's inverse, right? So anyway, my slice of life is I sort of want to take an IQ test. Oh, man. I want to do it, but I don't want to know the results again. (laughs) And I just want to then get the results. and I want to talk to the test taker and just from the (laughs) judging of the eyebrow. (laughs) You just want to get a read. Oh, hmm. Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's all. Ooh. I don't want to know the number, but like, am I getting warmer, <laughs> cold, warm? That's all. Am I a genius? No, no, don't say anything. I know I'm not a genius. That's clear. 
I just want to know, can I enter the military? <laughs> Seriously. And here's the other problem. If you find out, I don't even want to know if I'm low. Problem is if you have like a, a low IQ, again, that doesn't mean anything. But at the same time, you're then the anomalies. Like, look, look at this forest complex figure. <laughs> look how much they've accomplished in their life. You want to know. So here, here's what you really want. You want to take an IQ test and you want to know, if, <laughs> you want to be told if it's extremely high or extremely low. Because either one of those is actually a great outcome. Mm. If it's extremely low, you've succeeded way beyond your, There's w- no you should have succeeded. chance. <laughs> I'm going to get extremely high. This is not possible. The worst outcome. And, and this whole bullshit of, no, there's the new uh, in, uh, intelligence quotient that is not being measured. And it's the emotional IQ. I'm like, that's what you tell people when they lose shit. Right. That's, 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 that's the consolation trophy. This is the effort fucking award. Fuck that. That's when I get a smiley face instead of an A on my report card. You want to know <laughs> if it's the middle, worst outcome. People with high EQ, they created that because you probably have low IQ. <laughs> Hey, listen, Dave and I are developing a new test. Yeah, but it's like, for, for those of you who have scored poorly on your IQ and EQ, we're introducing the, 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 the AQ test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the correlation graph is because, again, I have low IQ. I couldn't tell you that. But I would imagine there is a correlation between lo- people that have high EQ, low IQ. <laughs> Very rare do you meet the person that has high EQ and a high IQ. Right. Well, most people who have the high IQ test didn't have to take the EQ test. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the thing. (laughs) Almost nobody that has a high IQ, we don't even know what their EQ score is. Why would they bother (laughs) taking that test? They've already been validated by the IQ. Exactly. Yeah. But we, I, I think we introduced the AQ just as another alternative. Getting low scores, we guarantee a high AQ score. <laughs> Are you going to do it? I want to do a real one. But what if it comes out? What problem is, that, is there what a place if you can the go? score is like 85? What if it is? Then, like I said, low, high, good outcomes. Because you'd be like, look at what I did. No, you can I, don't a wanna, I don't want to become- be Forrest Gump. <laughs> I want to be Lieutenant Dan. I mean, honestly, if I had to pick one person in my life who could name the most shrimp dishes, it might be you. (laughs) I mean, listen, this is like running a 40 with Usain Bolt. I'm positive that if we did a head-to-head IQ test, you would fucking lap my ass. How many questions can I skip? And if I skip, does that penalty? You'd be like... Fuck this. Get the EQ test in here. <laughs> Kick this guy's ass with the EQ. <laughs> so that's all. I'm just super curious about what my IQ is. And I know it ain't high enough to get into the gift and talent at school. <laughs> does anybody know their does anybody in there know their do you, IQ? Do you guys know? Have you ever taken an IQ test and gotten a number? What's you know? You know, did. He doesn't want to say. I'm I'm not saying that. But is it above 100? Yes. Is it above 130? I'm not saying that. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'm smart enough to know that's... 
<laughs> you Mortal got high EQ. You <laughs> read his face. <laughs> <laughs> That we are dumb. <laughs> oh man! Listen, I did terribly on my SATs. There's and no way you succeeded in spite. I, I, you're not built for standardized tests, which means I have low IQ. <laughs> just trying to say it came out of my mouth. Like that's exactly what they told you in second grade. <laughs> yeah, you're special in other ways, David. <laughs> Have you, you make people football? <laughs> <laughs> you're so good at playing the recorder. <laughs> and look at your paper mache. <laughs> you're so talented at that. Oh, and look at that glue thing you put in your bottom of your desk. <laughs> look how creative you are. That's the shit they tell you. Because you're dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David, how many times do you have to tell you you have to circle inside? You have to color inside the circle, not outside the circle, David. You can't connect the circles together with a line. It's a multiple choice test. You don't just name the letters you see on there. <laughs> That's a D. Yeah. What do you think you know like you is? It's over 130. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think 150 is like a genius, right? Something like that. Two hundred is a genius, but there is also a level where you're, you're the, like the person with the highest IQ did. Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? And this is a good test of genius IQ. The smartest person, like the highest IQ, is like two ten, mm-hmm. right? And at some point, there's diminishing returns because the smarter you are, the more you can realize the futility and absurdity <laughs> of life, and you're like. That's just not the return on investment or time that I'm going to do. So I'm just going to do this to earn this much money. And I'm going to do this, this, and this. And that's what I'm going to do. There's no point in exerting or trying more because they're like goodwill hunting. It's like, right. You know, like if you're going to, if you're going to win, they're just still, they're driving to meet Skyler. (laughs) You got to be, you got to be dumb. You got to be dumb enough to risk it. Yeah. So this guy, the smartest guy in the world stopped at like $250,000 because he, they later asked him, well, why did you do that? I was like, the probability <laughs> <laughs> the probability of me answering the next question correctly was 32.756%. If I, <laughs> if I may contrast that with a certain somebody in this room who had already secured $500,000 for charity and went for the million, mm-hmm. risking all of it yes. on who wants to be a millionaire. Low <laughs> IQ, high EQ, me. I, I I don't even know what I don't even know that some the, the, there were people the people on that last question were presidents. <laughs> I don't even know. You're like which president? It was a trick question. I was three. I've, I haven't even heard of three. I of these was people. dumb enough <laughs> to get two people that are way, way smarter than me: a Harvard graduate, Doogie Howser, and Alan Yang, and a Yale graduate, Nina <laughs> Kimes. <laughs> That's what dumb people do. I mean, I'm, my EQ is high enough <laughs> to to realize, huh? That's fucking. They're smart. They know this shit. Okay, let me, let me call my friends in the gate yeah. class. So, yeah, I when I got to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, I didn't think, oh, my probability. Let me, let me, let me calculate <laughs> my the probability of me answering the next question <laughs> and theorizing. Well, I've had these questions. No, it was like 
shit, let's do this. <laughs> You're like, there's a bigger one over there. <laughs> I'm so dumb that not a single person has even attempted to answer the million dollar question <laughs> because they already have half a million dollars for charity. You've got, you've got Kimmel being like, are, are you sure you understand what's happening <laughs> I here? I was like, fuck it. <laughs> let's go. Because no calcul, you know why? No calculations happening here. <laughs> Zero. Zero. <laughs> we can look inside of David's brain right now while he's making this. Oh, there seems to be no activity. <laughs> no, if they did a CAT scan or MRI of my brain, flat line. Just mental flat line. Look, that's my point, though. It works out. It worked out. So if we have somebody that is an IQ professor or sociologist, what would that person be? Sociologist? <laughs> Psychologist? No, no, I think it's an IQ professor. IQ professor. <laughs> we should get them on the show. But like, so you want to be and uh, explain to us truly. Let's get a, a someone that is smarter than us mm-hmm. that studies this stuff to tell us: Are we tr- are we accurate? Do we save ourselves hundreds of hours of reading books and writing a dissertation that nobody will read and getting a doctorate in something nobody will ever care about? Do we just save ourselves that time? Mm-hmm. To get an honors doctorate thesis in, you know, cultural <laughs> intelligence, something, something. Come on. By I, saying, I, the lower the IQ, the higher the EQ. <laughs> we might have to, if, no, if nobody's published this study, we'll publish it. <laughs> yeah. We'll do it. Uh, inversely proportional. Right, let's take a break. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The Ask Dave, I sort of already answered in the top of the pod. Hi, Dave. This might be a dumb question, but when you're cooking at a restaurant, I get that hairnets and head coverings are practical, but I don't get aprons or clogs. Can you just wear regular black-soled shoes? Sorry if I'm being um, dumb about this. What are the functions of aprons and clogs? Also, less dumb question. Worst burn and cuts you've experienced in the kitchen? S. Marcus. Um, Well, I just talked about aprons. Um, I will say that one of the things that was cool on an apron that you rarely see today is a chainmail apron. A what? Um, there's like a certain like level of of chain or some kind of metal near your like under sort of your 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 
chest uh-huh. to your to your groin area. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've only seen this a couple times or it's like a really thick part because when you're butchering stuff super, super fast, it protects you. Oh, like an actual like chest pad, like a protector. Yeah, like our quarterbacks have the rib protectors. This like, is like... Like mithril. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, laugh nobody. Um, but I, I do think aprons are important. Um, I like the bib apron. Mm-hmm. My favorite bib apron are the ones that you tie. At the shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like Brigard changed. Brigard got purchased like 25 years ago. So the older ones were like better and the materials were different. And I don't even know what the, anytime I would go to Europe and I would see the stuff that you're wearing, they were wearing, like, why can't we add this? <laughs> they look so much cooler. <laughs> but you know, I'm very classic in that regard. That's where I, I don't understand it, where I turn into, you know, equivalent. There's two parts of me food wise where I am like ultra white, right wing Rush Limbaugh conservative. That's desserts and culinary fashion. <laughs> the conservative dessert thing is so insane. Just, it is like you have like a it's a like a it's a violent conservatism. <laughs> it is like extreme conservatism about desserts. And uh, look, I'm here for it. I don't. I don't. I don't. Just I it's don't pretty wanna, crazy. I don't. I don't subscribe to the to the the Asian compliment of desserts which is always like oh it's not too sweet it's like it's not sweet enough like it's got to be sweet yeah no it's like if it's not ice cream or like something that's french or italian it doesn't exist in my world (laughs) if it's not ice cream i will overturn the government yeah Yeah. it's like (laughs) you know very slow progress for me in accepting anything else i'm not saying it's not possible it's very slow all right my my Dessert preference is like your most racist grandpa. <laughs> it's, it's literally, it's like, guess who's coming to dinner? Oh, it's mochi. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, what are you like? Why, why, why is your hand over your face? You know, come on. You know. I just, I just don't like the dessert standard being the racist grandpa standard. That's- it's the same thing. It is the racist grandpa. If you bring over some semi-sweet... Squishy anything mesh. that's new and different and not of the same thing that you're used to mm-hmm. you're to like, dinner do not serve that to grandpa i'm just <laughs> just i don't think you know is really appreciating this don't don't introduce i'm this. not saying that i am a racist grandpa no 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 i'm saying i can sympathize and understand how stupid you are when i think about desserts <laughs> i'm just imagining a dessert being like why did you describe me to Dave as your friend? We've been dating for six months. Just like, I know, I know. He's just not ready for it yet. He's just not ready. Um, clogs. Clogs are important. And don't take pull quote that, please. It's just like, now I'm just understanding. Yahoo. Business Insider saying, Dave Chang says he's a racist grandpa. And he says all desserts should be vanilla ice cream. Motherfuckers. It would be so cool if this insider did just publish an article that said Dave Chang says he's a racist grandpa. I look forward to that article. I look forward to reading that, clipping it out, framing it. It's going to be a oh wonderful article. Oh my God. And this motherfucker hates Costco chicken. <laughs> Off with his head. Anti-American. 
Oh my god! So this Cla- motherfucker put ice in his wine. <laughs> no, that that is without question. Do, do not fuck with that. That is a wonderful thing. To do. Um, but um, clogs. Uh, I would say one of the things I dislike intensely are Birkenstocks in the kitchen. Hmm. I, I think that is not good. It's not good for your feet, and it's probably one of the most common things you see. Um, I don't like it because it's flat sold and it's not a raised above. Um, I like a clog. These are not, so these are by the way Birkenstocks. We're not talking about the sandal, like no, Birkenstocks, the closed toed. Yes, what the hippies wear. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, but it is like you said, one of the most common. What the hippies wear, what because the, what they're covering, what the closed toed Birkenstock is covering is the toe rings. <laughs> it's protecting their toe rings from theft. <laughs> Those towering thieves out there. Um, no, I don't like the Birkenstocks. Um, when I was like, by the end of me working in kitchens, I really adopted the Wiley Dufresne black teal. St- I've talked about this steel toed shoe boots or boots or shoes. Um, the only downside with that is that if something hot gets on your shoe, it's really hard to remove your shoe. Um, but you know, that I, I think comfort for me was more important at that point with the, my my feet and also just like things drop on your toes and that's the worst thing in the world. So mm-hmm. I, I did take that from Wiley and I, I enjoyed that very much. Uh, but for most of my career, it was clogs. And the good thing about clogs is they're high enough. The reason why I like it's high enough is there might be something where in a situation where you're stepping in something and now you're elevated. Um, or you get something in there and you can now remove your feet quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's also easy to prep by having one foot out of your clog <laughs> onto the other foot, which is a move that only cooks will know about. Right. It's the backwards. It's the other flam- clog. It's the flamingo. Yeah, It's the flamingo. And you're resting it on your left foot or your right foot, your other foot, and you're doing knife work. Just saying like, if you don't know, You'll never know, but if you do know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, I, it's a very restorative. It's it's like full lotus position for a cook. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most important asana. Yeah, right. But in general, the clog and like the the rubber, the, the construction of the shoe is also like grippiness, right? You're carrying a 24 quart hot stockpot down the stairs. Uh, yeah, that's. Clogs can also be a problem because they might get too loose and you have to have clean clogs. I will also say that the clogs, there's a French brand that are like, when you go to Europe and to the top kitchens, a lot of them are wearing white clogs. So cool. White clogs. I don't know if I could ever pull it off. It's too cool. It's just so cool. cool. And I was like, why can't we have white clogs? Why does it have to be cooler in Europe? Why do the gate kids get clogs? Yeah, like white clogs. So cool. I know. Um, worst burn. Ooh, I don't know about. This I thought. I mean, I said uh, the worst burn was not something that I saw, but it was a restaurant where um, somebody on the last day was bringing um, stock down the stairs, and they slipped, oh, and they were in the morning, and they woke up with their leg in the stock pot. Oh Jesus! Um, no, it was like really bad burns. Um, carrying. Liquids down the stairs this is really one of the worst things. It's so hard. And you could be doing everything right. 
And that's the problem. You could do everything right. There could be two people. You're gripping it by the handles properly, two hands on each handle. And stairs get slippery. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things in any restaurant, and if you, again, work in restaurants, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. The stairwell, whether you're downstairs or any kind of stairwell that gets used. If it's not used, you really don't have to worry about it. Whatever you put on to give it traction, grip tape, whatever, it doesn't work because all it takes is some grease spill and then some cook walking through that and walking down the stairs and not realizing it and it accumulates. And it's rare that you're going to scrub the stairs every day because that grease starts to accumulate and it becomes black ice. It literally becomes black ice. So it's really dangerous. Um, and you could do everything right and you could still have a mistake. So that sucks. Oh my God. But that's like the worst burn. I, I think the worst burn for me was a, I was cooking diver sea scallops. And again, black talking about black ice. Uh, when you are working in a kitchen and, and like say this is a flat top, right? Um, you know, if you're left-handed or right-handed, I, if I'm right-handed, I, I do most of my pan cooking in my left hand because my utensil is in my right hand, my spoon, not a fucking tong uh, or fork. <laughs> uh, and you're going to have probably eight to 12, eight to 10 inch black steel pans. And you're going to have 12, uh, 14 inch black steel pans. And they're all stacked up, mm-hmm. right? And then you're going to also have, so it's all getting hot because it's all connected up top like it's Legos. And then on my flat top in front of me, I'm going to have a bunch of pans with oil in them. Mm-hmm. So you're putting oil in them. And sometimes you forget that one has more oil or you, you, you start cooking and then you put one down. And because you're hearing tickets and you're, doing everything this happens to everybody it really does you forget or you leave and somebody takes over your station and they don't know that you put oil in and then you pull the pan like <clears> this <throat> you just pull it like this it is black it's literally black ice what you it just like you know it almost feels like terminator 2 with the liquid metal it's like it just climbs over you and lands on to your mm. your wrist and that's Easily the worst burn. Oh, yeah. So you've got you. You're, you're working fast. You have stacks of pans in front of you, and you're reaching to grab one quickly because you forgot that there's already oil in this pan. You yank it towards you, and you know what's bad when usually you put ice on it. And that's another thing. If you have a burn, you I invested in silver tie, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you give burn victims. Um, and I would get that because Asian skin really does burn way easier and le- and does not heal as quick. At least mine never did. Um, and when I was younger and I was just starting out hotline, it looked like it looked not, it was not a pretty sight. And I wasn't good enough where, um, I was, cause I was so hot. I'd have to roll up my sleeves. Right. So mm-hmm. I did, couldn't bear that. So my, my sleep, my, my, my arm was just like not looking good. Um, but, um, uh, you know, you I would put silver dine on because that would help heal it. But if you do get a burn, even at home, you have to put ice on it immediately. The reason you have a burn, and I hate to tell you, because you're cooking yourself. Mm-hmm. You are literally cooking yourself, mm-hmm. and you need ice to stop that burn. Um, so you know it's a bad burn when you look, and it an, an instantly turns into a giant blister. Yeah. There's not even time. Usually that might happen and develop 
later, like uh, like a, a blister might develop after you've iced it down. But when it immediately turns into a blister, you know you're fucked. Oh, God. Because, like, I, I think... I think what it's happening is literally like if you cook a piece of it's it's actually this you cook a pork belly with skin on and you start to see the bubbles pop up it's like the f- steam of the flesh underneath pushing the fucking skin up yeah. oh it, my it, it, god uh, and those are the burns where you go to an emergency room you, you should and they're really hard to heal um because man that's the worst kind of burn and it it's really, really hard and very, 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 very painful. Oh my god! It's so it's like it stings and is sore at the same time. It's an it's so bad. I'm so I'm just thinking about it. I'm like fuck. That sucks. And it's like you see it, and you know when it happens. When you see somebody, it's just like your thought goes oh, like before even the pain even registers. You look and you're like oh. Fuck. This is, you have a whole conversation with yourself, soliloquy, like, oh man, this is the last moment before it really hurts like a motherfucker for like three straight weeks. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, oh my God. Totally. Because you're first, you're, you don't scream, you don't shout, nothing comes out. You're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a moment of just pause, like it's the calm that, before the storm. It's the moment when like Wiley e. Coyote's rocket explodes and he's just hanging midair yeah, yeah, before exactly. it falls off. Um, worst cut I've ever seen besides my partner cutting off his digit on a bandsaw. Worst cut I've ever seen, which is why I don't like knives. I hate it. I hate when cooks put knives on the lower shelf. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Hate it. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> that scares the shit out of me. When I mean by lower shelf, there's always open cabinets below, and you're, you're, you know that's how you store your knives, or on a tray or whatever. Um, or sometimes it's above eye level. When I see that, bad, well, bad, 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 bad. Never keep knives out of sight above chest level. Yeah, it should always be chest level if you're going to keep it out. If it's not, you should put it away. Um, the worst. Uh, this happened, man, I saw two cuts in cooking school. One was, um, somebody, this is going to hurt hearing this. So so, uh, somebody was sharpening their steel. Mm. And again, I like sharpening it this way up. Some people like doing it this way. Mm -hmm. Where you hold, you're talking about holding the handle, pointing the steel up versus holding the steel down. And I remember that she was, she was, a, she was, it was a woman, she was from Brazil and she went like this and I was like, oh fuck. It was a really bad, 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 cut. And I've seen cuts. The worst one also was in cooking school. Someone left a tray and they left their chef knife and someone walked past it. It was, it was not properly stored and it sliced their ankle. Yeah. If that made you queasy, I'm sorry. Oh. That's true. So if you should really take care of your knives and put them away so no one gets hurt. I hate it. It drives me fucking insane when I see knives not stored properly. So to this point, though, I just want to say <laughs> for home cooks, because this is, I think this is like, I think 90% of people probably do this. When you're done with your knife, <laughs> just wash it and dry it and put it away. Yeah. Do not ever... 
throw your fucking knife in the sink. And the, yes, never. And also, it's also important to to also ha- always have your mise en place. Always have a place where you keep your knife. Always. And it should always be in front of you. I don't necessarily like it. If I can, space permitting, always put it in front in front of the cutting board or to my right because I'm right-handed. And it's always in a tray or a towel or something to give. The reason I put knives on a towel, if you have enough towels, is to make the color pattern different enough where people can see it. Mm-hmm. That's why. People are like, what are you doing? It's like, because I fucking want to cook safe, motherfucker. <laughs> um, and another tip, too, is always keep the blade handle resting away from you. Another reason why I like to put it in front of me is even if it's on the cutting board, I always rest it where the blade is pointing away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've seen cuts where... You're just reaching for something. Yeah. If you're in a rush, you just yeah, slice yeah. across yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the uh, yeah, putting it away, I can't believe the number of people will go... I'll be like staying at a house with some friends or something and I'll be doing dishes and it'll be like a... a, a whole sink full of soapy water and I'll reach my hand in and I'll be like, there's a fucking knife just floating in this water. Like I will, it's, it's, it's maddening. All right. We're going to, we're going to make this a a two parter mainly because we're trying to bank some because of travel and work schedule and August, everything. Um, So we, we, we're going to do a second part coming up, but I will finish with things I like and dislike. I am liking uh, this this grocery store quite a bit that I have never been to until a few months ago. Vierta Supermarket. And there's a bunch of them. Um, I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And when I go grocery shopping, it, it's now replaced my H-Mart or my Asian supermarket to some degree because the butchers, butcher market there, the meat market, is great because they have the cuts that you want. They have everything. They even have a sliced thin cut of a whole chuck steak. Whoa. Right? Like oh. a seven bone, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Remember I cooked the asada with Brescia? Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. I was like, I've never seen that. So they have different cuts. Everything's great there. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I love it. And affordable. It's cheaper than some of the grocery stores out there for sure. But uh, I, I like the fact that I can get my meat cuts that I could get at H Mart, but Vieta is way closer to me. And it's one of the reasons why, like, I just, we've been eating so many tortillas at home. <laughs> yeah, you've been, you've been singing its praises. And there's one right by our office. Yes. And the guacamole is good. The salsas, everything's good there. And the chicharrones. So um, I'm sure it's a Southern California thing. But the reason I'm bringing this up is if you usually go to an Asian market, I'm sure that there's some kind of Latin market. You should check it out because they got the best chips, the best drinks. It's <laughs> it's awesome. And like the prepared foods are so good. <laughs> so check 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 that out. And uh we'll we'll get you we'll leave you guys. Give us five stars and we're gonna come back to you with the second part of this podcast.